From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber. Live from America Podcast. Where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Gorman. Hello and welcome to Live America Podcast. Uh, this is Hatem alongside me. My friend, Noam Dorman, owner of the Comedy Cellar. Best comedy hello, in the world. Hello, How hello. are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm, we're happy to have you back. Hatem had uh, COVID yet again. Yep. Fourth, fourth in a row. And this one was tougher than the other three. I mean, I don't really remember the first one because I was in the hospital anyway. But this one. So, yeah. Just be, people, uh, be careful. This shit is still real. And I'm vaccinated four times, you know. So I don't know if that means something, but uh, this is your fourth go round. Yeah, first COVID, uh, fourth COVID. But you know the uh, other three. four vaccines. That's like yeah, that's like one, one for each. For one. <laughs> yeah, uh, comedian Andrew Heaton is joining us from Scotland. Well, t- I- I'm going to be in Scotland on Wednesday. I'm I'm merely a Texan today. I'm coming from Austin. But well, it sounds better to be when I say in Scotland. But thanks for that's true. I'm trying to make I'm tra- this I'm like a high production. I'm very pretentious. I've got a girlfriend over there. Oh, there you go. Are you going to visit her? Is that why? Yes, that is explicitly why. It would oh. also be a real dick move if I went there and didn't say hi to her. Like if I flew to <laughs> flew to Scotland don't for like a month. I just didn't mention it to my girlfriend. <laughs> <clears throat> That's true. That's true. Uh, and uh, our returning guest author, Jason Voyevich. We had him before. You know, his book, Marketer in Chief, how uh, each president sold the idea of the United States to the people. Um, and he's coming up with a new book. Good to see you, Jason. Yeah, good to good to be seen. Good to be seen. Glad to be back. This is a lot of fun. No, I'm first. How are you? How is the seller? I haven't been around for a while. How was it? How's um, 2023? I'm f- everything's fine. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How's the show's coming along? The, I don't know what, say. what kind of small talk is this? The same as always. Yeah. Anything uh, you make it, you know, it's funny because Noam always, I guess because you always been around things, but like there's always big things happening at the seller. But I guess at this point for him, it's like whatever. But you don't understand that people love to know these things like who stopped by, who did what, you know, stuff like um, that. Um, this has been uh, Chris Rock's been stopping by. Yeah. Chris Rock has been stopping by. Um, nobody, uh, nobody else uh, recently. Well, Chris Rock have a very big event coming in March, which is a very, very uh, first Netflix live stream show, and he's going to talk about the Will Smith, and it's not going to be edited. So, I mean, that's a great thing to catch Chris Rock right now. See him working on stuff. I'm sorry, that wasn't true. Trevor Noah has been coming around too. Oh, there you go. He did, he did a special, a couple special shows, uh, you know, surprise shows and stuff. See, this is what I'm telling you. Like, at this point, for no, it's like, whatever, you know. But it's like, a lot of people is like, who is there? Who is there? They always ask me and stuff like that. Especially, like, somebody like Chris Walk, like, it's very, it's 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 a big thing. Everybody's anticipating his, uh, his special because he requested not to be edited. And so, we'll see. Should be, should be uh, excellent work. All right, you guys ready? 
I'm ready. What's going on? Let's do this. I have a few topics that have been, you know, crazy. And then we're going to talk about Jason's uh, new book coming up at the end of the show. So the first thing, you know, couple, I just put a couple of um, interesting news that happened the last couple of weeks. Uh, so one of the biggest box office failures of 2022 was that Ben Shapiro produced Western starring Gina Carano. Uh, this was her first role since she was fired uh, from the Mandalorian. Uh, obviously, um, serious because of her tweets. You know, a lot of people said it was anti-Semitic. I don't know. I haven't read it. Actually, I don't know anything about it. But um, but that film made $804. Not $800,000, but $800. This is like a... <laughs> Like back in the day, uh, in the nineties, comedy seller show, <laughs> eight hundred dollars. You mean more eight hundred dollars? The the one man show I did once in Guthrie has outpaced this particular film in terms of profit. Yeah, really, and four dollars. You know, and that was one only one um, one day in theater. Uh, but you know, so the film was intended to be part of the so the Daily Wire did this strategy about we're gonna make films that entertain audience without any over messages in one side, but not controversial, you know, or uh, conservative in another way. But obviously they fail. So they try to be in the middle, but they fail. Looks like you have to please some side to make some money. What do you guys what's your thoughts on that? Let's go with Andrew. Go ahead. I, I've got a lot actually. Uh so so um I, I host a sci-fi podcast because I was a virgin for a real long time. And we we just discussed this very issue on the program, uh, which is what what's the relationship between being political versus overly political? And and basically we came to the same conclusion that the the Daily Wire came to, at least rhetorically, which is I, I don't care what the politics of a film that I see are. What I what I care is. Uh, if if it's good storytelling and good characters, that's what I want. And you can be lefty or righty or whatever. I just want an engaging film. So I, I think that that's spot on. I think that that all that all makes sense. Um, in terms of the actual execution of it, obviously I, I haven't seen this film like the vast vast majority of people that are You're talking. Not one of the eight hundred dollars contributed. Yeah, I'm not one of the eight hundred dollars that did it. But but I can see a few things going on here. Um, I'm I'm only uh, vaguely familiar with this uh, with the actress uh, uh, because she was in The Mandalorian, which I watched. Um, so I don't know the the full gambit of her acting, but it, it would seem to me that if the the marketing approach was, "Hey, come see this film," um, this lady got knocked out because of wokeness. Well, that's not. But there's I, I also Ben Shapiro there. It's a good there. film. I don't want to come see the film to fight the good fight against the lefties. I just want a good film. The the other thing I'll add is that the, the conservatives are in a, a weird space when it comes to that media environment. In that, uh, on the on the one hand, I think they've identified that there is a market niche where Hollywood can get very overbearing and it can get very cynical. Where they go, they, they don't even give a shit. They just want to throw in some woke stuff in order to to, to get a plum, and they don't they don't even believe. Th that's all true. That's all there. But but on the right as well, there's also this kind of minority of people that for them, um, like the second you say anything that's remotely politically correct, they get angry that you're politically correct. And and it's like, right, well, I'm not going to say the N word. Like there, there are words where I'm like, clearly you can say that that's ridiculous. Stanford, you know, his list of forbidden words or whatever, but like, yeah, I'm not going to like call gay people fags or something just because that offends my gay friend. I'm not going to do that. And then they'll get freaked out that you're not willing to say anything all the time. And, 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 and then how, how could you even make a massive media for that? Noam, what's your thoughts? What's what exactly is the question? Well, the question is like they tried to do like in their statement that they want to be 
making movies that, you know, not over messaging in one side, like left, but not conservative as right. But and the movie bombed, you know. Um, so and another question isn't like not over messaging itself is messaging, you know. What were so, the odds that Ben Shapiro was going to make a great movie? <laughs> I mean, what what this guy? I mean, you know, I I have a lot of feelings about Ben Shapiro. I do listen to his. You podcast. like Ben Shapiro? No, I I well. You know, he was going to be in the podcast. He's going to be on our podcast. Yeah, but then there was a schedule and conflict. But yeah, he found out. Wait a minute, said, am I the Ben Shapiro substitute? Because I found out about this. Yesterday. Not in this very episode. Is ben Shapiro going to yeah. be here, and he dropped out. And like, I guess Heaton's the next thing closest to him that we know. So, so my feelings about Ben Shapiro are that you know, uh, you know, he covers a, his podcast is interesting. He covers a lot of ground very quickly. He doesn't he doesn't do something that most other podcasters do, which is um um take too long with things he's very very quick so i enjoy that and he covers you know <clears throat> a lot of ground and he's smart but he's also um religious and a little bit nasty and uh he makes fun of people and he says ridiculous things like rap music is not music and so he's just, he's just a weird dude I, I i don't dismiss him and like i said i find the show interesting but but there's nothing about him which would indicate that he has the depth and sensibility to make a great film now you know that's he might hire somebody whatever it is so maybe i'm selling him short in any case whether it's coincidence or not i'm not surprised that the product of ben shapiro and what, what, what was it what's her name G gina gina carano you gina know carano. Gina carano, right yeah yeah she she look she got a bum rap she tweeted that thing yeah uh, about the, something about the nazis but um the Nazis were the bad guy in her tweet. She wasn't, and and they fired her. It was ridiculous, like she, just just absurd firing. One of the most absurd there's been. But she was no. I mean, you know, she's not uh, Meryl Streep. No, but and, she was. And, you know, and he's in not the Mandalorian. Huh? In the Mandalorian, she was pretty good, and she was going to have her own uh, run uh, of, you know, a Star Wars character. She was going to have her own show before that. But anyway. Why did they? It was ridiculous. What the reason they fired her? But no, I agree. But I mean, like eight hundred dollars. Uh, how can you only make eight hundred dollars? It doesn't make. Any that's a question I've got. How do you make eight? Like, like, like that's like you could make a mistake and make more than eight hundred dollars. Like, like how many how many theaters was it in? Like, I you know I have no idea. You know, it was one day in theater. But on the other hand, a lot of times people, it's not maybe. Um, a lot of films want to release it in theater for it's supposed to be for three days to be eligible for festivals and stuff like that. So some will just put it in theaters just to be eligible for festival. But I mean, eight hundred dollars, it's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? But I was more concerned about like, you know, when they have because in in, in writing, when they say, OK, we're going to do a, a movie not about over messaging in one side, but another not conservative. You will think it's like, oh, OK, it could work. But no, Jason, what do you think? I don't know. It's whenever I read something like that, I'm in advertising. You know, whenever I read anything that says, "Well, we're not going to go too far this way, we're not going to go too far that way, we're going to have this offer that's right in the middle," like you know, it's going to suck. Like you yeah. just that's that's like the kiss of death in advertising. Like you just you you can't do that. My my dad was a creative director. He used to put it uh, better. He said, "Son, hurts your balls to sit on the fence. Don't do it. Be on one side or be on the other." Uh, and you know, even when you don't though, it's, it's, 
you know that that's the thing you know no when i thought about ben shapiro and i i read that initially i thought well he may not be a filmmaker you know that's not those aren't transfer necessarily transferable skills but he is entertaining you know you could not like what he says and still realize that he can be entertaining he can hold an audience that part's that part's clear uh, and then to kind of do this that has none of those characteristics, like none of the characteristics of, okay, let's take a look at what an audience wants to hear. What are they kind of here for? What do they want to see? It just seemed like it had none of these things. But to be fair, uh, like Andrew, I also have not seen this film. I was not part of that $800. So I, uh, you know, but now I'm kind of curious about it. Like it's, it, aren't you curious now that it made $800? Don't you want to see it now? Just well, I, yeah. as, as I'm reading it now, it was just a one day theatrical release. So maybe this is just a technical release and it wasn't intended to. Well, that's what I said. It was one day in theater, but I, I think it was pulled off because it was supposed to be three days to be in festival. I think they were just humiliated. But um, this episode is sponsored by Ben Shapiro. I'm promoting the movie. So. Uh, something to bring up like like no you brought up a moment ago that maybe ben shapiro you know why would we assume he's a good producer i didn't realize that shapiro did he personally produce this the daily wire which is part of so yeah he, he is well, the, 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 the reason i ask this is like like I, I i'm a comedian and i work in political media I've, I've been in this political comedy field for over 10 years now probably 15 years now and i can tell you all the time, about once or twice a year, I get invited to participate in some group that's creating a project. They're going to make a TV show or a film or something. And everybody in it who's an economist, economist or a businessman or whatever believes in the cockles of their heart that they absolutely could have been a comedian like me. It's just that they decided to happen to do this other thing. And I have to explain to them, no, even if that were true, that you had it in you to be a comedian, do you have any idea how difficult it is to do this job? How much, like just the, the sheer amount of skill craft that goes into this, it is a skill. I would assume that producing is a skill as well. And that you, you can't, if Ben Shapiro personally produced it, I don't know who personally produced it. If they weren't a, a producer that had that skill set, it's entirely possible they dropped the ball because maybe being a producer requires a learning curve. Maybe you need to go do stuff. I don't know. But I think back to the point is a good movie is a good movie regardless of, you know, the messaging. I mean, I enjoy Chandler's list, but, you know, um, the messaging. Or, or like, like another good example, I think, is like uh, I, I really enjoyed Jordan Peele, film, uh, Jordan Peele films. Uh, I, I think he's a great director. I think he's a really, really talented comedian. And that brilliance translated to the silver screen wonderfully. If you watch like Get Out, Get Out has clear uh, political connotations to it. It's an identitarian film about how uh, black bodies can be dehumanized and used by upper middle class white people pretending to be their friends. There's a lot of political messaging to it, but that's kind of like a, a bedrock tonic layer that's underlying the film. There's really good characterization and plot that's built up on top of it. And and so you can be political, but it, it's different to have a viewpoint than it is to have a, a an agenda. Uh, old Star Trek episodes were very political, but the good ones were were they they were an interesting premise, and they sort of invited you to explore their premise with them. And that's different than having a lecture where you go, "We've decided good people believe this," and the rest of the film is just hitting you over the head with it. That's not fun to watch. Ben Shapiro would look better with those pointy ears. I can actually picture him as He'd a make bald. It He'd make yeah. a good, or maybe a yeah, He's got the eyebrows, he's got those serious, bushy eyebrows. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Let's go to something else, Hot Time. It's too much time on Ben Shapiro. 
Um, someday, someday there'll be a movie about this movie, like the offer about the Godfather, and this will all, you know, this will all be part of it. Be <clears throat> just like you know, one last point. It's it's interesting to me how your celebrity in one thing cannot be transferred to another thing. People are not gonna follow you to watch something if you're not into it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> all right, uh, next one. Let's see. Alec Baldwin uh, charged in voluntary manslaughter, uh, which is uh, punished by 18 months in jail and um, I don't know, five thousand dollars or something like that. Fine, yeah. And they said the 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 charged him because he's a producer as well as an actor. Uh, no, I'm you're the only lawyer here, I think, right? Anybody uh, else? I, I'm not a lawyer, but so, right, so first of all, is that, is that true? Five thousand dollar fine? Yeah, this is what it says. It's eighteen months in jail. Uh, that's no, a New Mexico law. You, you see eighteen this, months in jail. You see this from time to time. These fines, you know, reflect the time that the law was passed, and they're not indexed for inflation. So these fines look kind of. Like, <laughs> that's like, a good it's, point. It's like Doctor <laughs> Evil, five thousand dollars. Like, you know. But, <laughs> if it were only five thousand dollars, I'd kill lots of people. Yeah, like five thousand dollars. But um, I, that's listen, actually that's I, a great point. The inflation with the fines, <laughs> as, as I understand it, they and eighteen told, months in jail. Yeah, as I, I know, but I'm saying, as I understand it, uh, they told Alec Baldwin that the gun was cold, if that, in the parlance of the film industry, and you know, it's, it's hard for me to think he's. A criminal, except that he said stuff in interviews about how he didn't pull the trigger and, and saying like, I remember him saying like, of course I didn't pull the trigger. Only, only a reckless idiot would pull the trigger. Everybody knows not to pull the trigger. And now that it's come out that he did pull the trigger, he's kind of incriminated himself to the standard of, of uh, involuntary manslaughter, to this recklessness standard. Like, I wouldn't think it was necessarily reckless if a prop gun and they tell you it's cold and I don't know enough about it, but if, if you told me, no, 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 it's reckless. And then you did it. I'd say, well, I guess it is. I guess you are a criminal. I mean, you knew it was reckless. You're saying, so I, I feel like somehow that's behind this indictment, but I, I don't think Alec Baldwin belongs in jail. I just don't think, but also he's a producer. He's the one that hires the people. To support no, he, he can be, he can be, he can be sued civilly, but I don't see it as a criminal case. Jason, what do you think? God, I uh, got no no winners in this deal. Other, you know, I, I I saw an article. Did I did I see it? I was looking at uh, uh, I was looking at that one you sent me at time, and I saw the there was the other guy that got hit by the same bullet. It kind of this magic bullet thing. It, it killed the killed the producer and then the director. Uh, yeah, yeah, the director, the director. Sorry, and then hit hit another guy. And he's not going to be charged for that, uh, apparently. He won't be. That just came out. Uh, that was like just today that he's not going to be charged for that, which I don't understand at all. Uh, but, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Noam. I, 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 boy, it's hard to see, you know, when you're on a set like that. It just you have to believe that people are kind of taking care of the, you know, kind of taking care of the equipment it sort of reminds me of the old, uh, you know, remember the Van Halen story from the eighties, back when some of us were kids that uh, the Van Halen guys were putting together these complex shows with lighting and all this scaffolding and all the sound equipment. And if they, it, this is really new for stadiums and if they didn't get it right, they could really hurt somebody. You know, you get a, some sound system would fall so David Lee Roth inserted a clause into their rider. It had all the stuff that they wanted, you know, their room and all their food that they wanted. And he said in the middle of that clause, 
you had to have a bowl of M&Ms with the brown ones removed. And, you know, so if they went, if David Lee Roth walked into the room and either if he didn't see the bowl of M&Ms or if he saw the bowl of M&Ms that didn't have the, you know, the M&Ms removed, he'd walk right back up and said, we got to double check everything because I don't want some, I don't want to, you know, some amplifier to fall on me, you know, during the show or hurt someone in the audience. And it just, it strikes me that when you're, you're in a situation where you're going to be, there's a possibility there could be live firearms somewhere that like, boy, that just kind of takes that up a notch. And I kind of feel like I was thinking about that, like, yeah, I can't see him in jail. And then I remember if David Lee Roth could figure it out, I suspect, you know, it's kind of the same standard I'd hold an Alec Baldwin to is you got to, like, you're kind of the guy you got to, you got to make sure you got to find a way to make sure uh, that those sort of things don't happen. But, but how does a real bullet get in a, in a gun for the movies? It's like, it's, it's that's the, who why put the even, bullet in? I want to know who put the real bullet. You have to, I mean, that's, what, that's, that's an act of intention well, there. Well, what, why are there even real, why is there even live ammunition on a set at all? That's my point. Like what, why, uh, why, why, do you why is there a real bullet? That? Well, yeah, they, why, why they do don't need that? live ammunition. They need, uh, you know, blanks or, Whatever you call them, well, that's, uh, yeah, they, 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 they had they had both, but it hadn't been checked. And yeah. um, here is, I think, uh, Hatem brings up that Alec Baldwin is in trouble as a producer, and I I think he is in trouble. Now I'll, I'll preface this: I'm not an attorney. Um, no, that's I, not a, I, I that's not a I'm not going to make a declarative statement about whether I think he should be prosecuted or not because I'd I'd want to see the the court trial before I did that. <laughs> that said, based on on what I know of how how criminal negligence works in manslaughter cases. Um, Alec Baldwin pulled the trigger. Um, you can you can make the argument that there's one of two arguments I see here. One, um, me being a guy that lives in Texas that's from Oklahoma, the buck stops with whoever's pulling the trigger. I would never under any circumstance ever point a gun at somebody that I didn't intend to shoot. So I just wouldn't ever point a gun at him. If if I was at the comedy cellar and Gnome handed me a revolver and he said, by the way, this is part of a funny joke, pointed at somebody and pulled the trigger. But I, I checked, there's no bullets in it. I would absolutely check that gun several times to make sure there were no bullets in it because I'm the guy pulling the trigger. Now, I think you could argue. Uh, well, it that, depends what you're pointing to. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you could argue that in Alex's case, that um, a reasonable person, uh, which is, I, I believe, the standard they use in these cases, that a reasonable person would infer that it was safe because there is a designated armorer whose job it is to make sure that the gun is full of blanks. And on top of that, there's another producer there who checks it and says clear, that a reasonable person would assume that those protocols in place would shield you. Okay. The problem we have there is the armorer in question was being asked to do two jobs. She was a prop master and an armorer. She had emailed the producers and said, I don't have sufficient time to do my job as armorer. And they basically said, well, we're only paying you to do uh, the prop thing after eight days. So we're going to pay you up front to do the armorer. And then after that, <laughs> it's the prop thing. You're not going to do both. Um, she'd emailed them and said, I'm getting stretched too thin to do this job adequately. Two or three people walked. So the, the, the concern that I would have for Baldwin in terms of a court of law is, he pulled the trigger. He's he's going to make the claim that a reasonable person would infer that it's a gun with blanks, but the protocol broke down. Well, why did the protocol break down? Because the producers fucked up and he's one of the producers. So kind of on either end here, I, I see him having some culpability. Um, 
I just want to circle back. It's it's related but unrelated to uh, Jason's uh, story uh, about David Lee Roth. You know, his favorite spot to hang out is the Olive Tree and the Comedy Cellar. Remember yeah. that, Noam? <laughs> yeah, uh, David Lee Roth's a smart dude, too. Yeah, and I t- and he yeah, is he the is nicest guy ever. I tell you a quick story at the cellar. You know, obviously, whenever there's a celebrity or something come, we always hang out around, make sure that he's okay. And he used to love hanging out and playing music and just hang out outside in the street. And he sounds like, you don't have to be here the whole time. I was like, yeah, but it's I have to. He's like, do you have a walkie-talkie? I was like, yeah. He's like, give me one. <laughs> he took one. And he's like, if I need you, I'm going to call you. <laughs> like, this is how cool this guy is. And he was just hanging out in the street. I mean, he was... Doesn't it feel like the person who told Alec Baldwin that the gun was safe is more guilty than Alec Baldwin? Like, I don't know if that's if there's any crime that she she could be charged with. But... I, I think she has been. I I, I think that um, there there have been multiple people that have been charged in this. Uh, oh yeah, I, I don't remember charged. all of the names. But one of them's already made a guilty plea and agreed to yeah. uh, for leniency to testify against the producers. So I I, I suspect. I think she's probably screwed. Um, the the armorer, the only argument the armorer has that I can see is that somebody intentionally put a bullet in there. So like early on when the story broke a year ago, one of the stories that was floating around was uh, there was widespread um, widespread dissatisfaction with how the set was being run. And maybe a disgruntled worker put bullets in it in order to prove a point or something like that. Um, that that's about the only thing I could see, but, but, but for, for her though, unless you can prove that there was some sort of conspiracy or, or outside malicious thing, I agree. If, if, if it's your literal job to determine if the gun is loaded with a real bullet or not, you can say I was stretched thin and there were bad protocol and maybe get some leniency in the sentencing, but it's very unlikely that anybody's going to go. Yeah. Like, like you are a link in this chain and, and the specifically vested one and she will be prosecuted. And speaking about prioritizing, you know, your work, you know, gun loaded. Mm, should I, you know, which one is more important? Uh, it's crazy. I guess we'll see. All right, let's go next one. Uh, Andrew Tate. So if you remember when we did the recap, he was uh, number one search. And that day, actually, no, when we were taping the recap, he got arrested, you know, uh, in Romania uh, from all the places for uh, sex trafficking and uh, sex trafficking and organized crime and all that. Um, are you guys familiar with Andrew Tate? Anybody else taking his dating course like me? No, yeah. he 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 kind of didn't he pick. We, we spoke and he picked a fight with Greta Thunberg. Am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah, he was yeah. like tweet warring with her. So he's sort guy. of like an online men's rights dude. Yep. He was the guy. Uh, he was the guy who had a he he was like trolling Greta Thunberg on Twitter, right? And he had a picture of himself yep. with a pizza box that had the Romanian pizza company's logo and name on it. And that's kind of how they get arrested. Yeah. Is that, is that okay? We're thinking about the right guy. No, they claim that that's not, that, that's her not, not to yeah, be this true. Is, this is not, that not true. Okay. It, it was a good story. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but he's, um, you know, speaking of Greta, you guys heard the report that uh, the arrest was staged, this whole thing. What, that that would not entirely surprise me. Um, uh, that, that's, that was the coal mine in Germany that yeah. they, they, or they were, there was like an abandoned town that they were going to turn into a coal mine and there was an environmental protest and it resulted in arrest. And she was carried by four officers and they said this whole thing was staged. Like she staged. I, well, I, I don't, I don't think it was staged. I think what it was, was probably cooperative. And what I mean by that is there is a, a um, 
a kind of exuberant lefty element in politics that wants to get arrested because it's a, a rite of passage that, you know, I like this is, you know, think about AOC being escorted out with her hands behind her back as if, you know, it's funny you said that. Was... That's exactly what Ben Shapiro said in his podcast the other day. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so like, you, you'll like so, sometimes when you watch these arrests with like you are Amy his Schumer, replacement, <laughs> huh? Yeah, when you want like like Amy Schumer getting arrested during the uh, the Kavanaugh hearings and things like that. Um, if you if you watch the extended videos where you're not seeing the moment where they're walked off stage, you know, triumphantly with a fist in the air, or they're glaring at the camera like this is their their moment. You you'll hear policemen going, "Hi everybody, if you want to get arrested, please go over to the right. Um, that's where arrests are going to be. Otherwise, you need to leave." And it's like, not always, but in a lot of instances, it's pretty straightforward. Like, like this is a, you, you all are agreeing. If you stay here and you go in this direction, you want to be arrested. This is a part of your uh, civic disobedience that you're wanting to do. That's my guess as to how that unfolded, where, where they came out and they were like, yeah, like if you want to get arrested, we can do this and explained it. And then we're, you know, nice, cooperative, competent, polite German people. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? I think that uh, whether or not it was staged or whether or not she was just it was opportunistic kind of hardly matters. Uh, Greta Thunberg hasn't really been in the news for a while. And as an activist, uh, you know, that is what you need. You know, any, you know, celebrities, activists, those type of types absolutely need media attention in order to uh, promote their agenda. If she is not on the news, she isn't talking about climate change. She isn't talking about all the things she wants to talk about. And it becomes more and more difficult. This puts her name back in the news cycle. It gives her, you know, as Andrew said, a little bit of that kind of I was arrested kind of credibility. That is a little bit of a rite of passage. Uh, so, you know, she has what something that I've noticed is she becoming much and, you know, she was savvy years ago, you know, whether that was her parents kind of coaching her and helping her or not. As she has become older, she has become much more of a savvy media operator. And I expect more really savvy media handling over the next, you know, uh, over her kind of activism career, for sure. Uh, she knows what she's doing. She knows how to get media attention she knows how to keep it uh you know I, I so for you know for this i expect to see her in more places like this more arrests more demonstrations more things that kind of keep her name in the news that's my prediction for 2023 is we'll see a lot more of her jason can i can i ask you to follow up on that your your background is uh marketing and advertising you pointed out earlier that you don't want to sit on the fence you want to go to a direction all of my instincts are counterintuitive to that. I, I am a fairly moderate right, so personality type. My friends, I should have, if I hadn't been a comedian, I would have been a hostage negotiator. I'm not good at motivating people. I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, for, for, for me, occupying that seat of a fairly moderate disposition, I am extremely turned off by what strikes me as antics or people looking for opportunities to be self-righteous. I, I am much more moved by having a conversation with an economist or somebody that explains math and data to me. But I but I recognize that I, I may not be normal in that regard. So I, when I see this kind of stuff, I go, well, now I don't know if you're just trying to get arrested because it's a way to be self-righteous or whether this is actually something that's going to be impactful. Do you think overall this is a net benefit the environmental movement or does it turn off too many people like me? Yeah, you're using the reasonable person standard uh, yeah. in advertising. You know, like what does the uh, kind of what does the majority of people think? You know, and what you realize is that you know, kind of in brand, we you know, in kind of brand advertising and marketing, we have we have a thing we 
uh, we use called the zealot rule. The zealot rule is, is of all the buyers of a particular thing, think about Starbucks, for instance, but it could be anything. You know, you get 80% of the people who are kind of occasional users, they'll go in, they'll go out. That's most of us. You know, you could kind of take it or leave it, go to some other coffee shop. There's a chunk of people up there who are, hey, they're they're using it kind of as their third place, you know. And then there are one or two percent of people who are on that app. They are all over Starbucks, everything. And they are just those are the people that are driving a disproportionate amount of sales, a disproportionate amount of attention. And what you know, brands understand is that that 80% of people, they're not going to pay much attention. Uh, and they're kind of coming in and out based on factors that have nothing to do. They're not watching the news for it. The, you're talking to that zealot group, that couple of percent. And if you don't hit them, that kind of 20% kind of near them, those are the people you're really talking to. So when you look at what a Greta Thunberg is doing, and this could be any activist, right or left, doesn't really matter. You look at, okay, they are, they've got to meet that. And this is kind of what, you know, going all the way back to Shapiro and that group there, the mistake is not satisfying that zealot group, that couple of percent group. That's the trick. You got to satisfy them without turning off that, that larger group of people. Uh, so this, this I, explains so much about my career, by the way, where like, like I will, whatever my political orientation is, I'll look at the extremist and be like, that guy's a fucking asshole. I don't want him to like, I'm not going to pitch to that dude. And then, and then as a result, it's like a bit more tepid and it just doesn't pick up the same way. Yeah. No, what do you, what do you think of the Greta yeah. thing? I, can I can, can I make uh, an unprecedented answer here in the history of this podcast? I have no opinion about this dumb Greta Thunberg story. Or, or her in general. Or her in general. Yeah. I want to. Uh, <laughs> Do I leave I, you hanging? Let's, let's, I'm let's sorry. I, I mean, I don't. I don't. I just don't. I mean, she's she's a kid and she gets way too much. Um, you know, uh, cr- she has no credibility to me. What does she know about anything? I agree with you. I want you guys to so hear serious. this. Uh, see this. Um, Great, see. So, how did you get here today? What was your climate footprint in traveling here? <laughs> are discussing climate change with the uh, delegates here when they nearly all when nearly all of them take private jets. Do you think at least the fact these delegates take private jets is a bad thing against you know what you believe in? All of this could be done via Zooms. Greta, avoid my questions if climate change is a cop. Greta, can you condemn every single delegate that's come here on a private jet? Surely that's something you should condemn. You can do it too. I will. Yeah, I, I, have you ever been on a private jet even once? I own 100 private jets. Have you been on a once? Have you ever been on a private jet? All the time. Yes. So, yeah. And she also, uh, you know, refused. Uh, she refused to condemn like Saudi Arabia, you know, all the other, you know, countries that, you know, apparently not very good with that. So, yeah, I agree with no, it's kind of annoying, but, you know. Telling me, um, I'll, I'll stick up for her a little bit. I don't think she's a hypocrite. I think she's a zealot, and zealots tend to irritate me. But I, I, mm-hmm. I think she probably fully believes all of that. The hypocrites are all the other fuckers flying to Davos that want to talk about greenhouse emissions, but don't want to fly business, which is just fine, by the way. Those are the folks that are being hypocrites. Business uh, is pretty nice these days. I mean, the say? way I see it, if you can pri- uh, fly private, of course you will. You know why wouldn't you? All right, that, next that's one. fine, but but then but then if you do that, acknowledge that you don't really care about 
climate emissions. Like absolutely, that's emissions. that's like, why. Like it's, it's, if, if you're like, yeah, I don't really. That's fine. But but if if you're like, man, this is the biggest threat in the world for everybody but me. Then like, okay, like then then we're we're living in some parallel reality where carbon is just sin and we're all living in like 15th century Europe. And you can, if you make a pilgrimage to the Vatican, your sins are forgiven. Like, like that's, that's what's going on at Davos. It's like a, like a kind of ecoism religion that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Um, CNN is considering hiring a comedian, uh, comedian to host a non-traditional prime show because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't get, fill the gap. So now CNN want to go with comedy. They, they they thought about John Stewart, Bill Maher. I mean, that's another to me. That's another way it's showing you that the news channels are not news anymore. But um, Noam, what do you think on that? Well, what do I think? I think that CNN. So CNN got bought by this guy uh, Zaslav or whatever, and and you would have thought that they had a plan. After spending, you know, I don't know, hundreds of millions, I don't know how much they spent. I have no idea what they spent to, to buy CNN, but it had to be a lot. They have the worst talent you could possibly imagine on CNN. Don Lemon, uh, old Wolf Blitzer, old John King. I, I mean, it, it's just uh, even Anderson Cooper. It's, it's so dull. Nobody could possibly think this is a formula for a winning network. And yes, it's almost a year later or something. And these people are still working there. The, the only person who had any um, possibility of something happening that might interest you was Chris Cuomo. And I'm not a Chris Cuomo fan, but at least he was a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, so I have no idea what's going on for CNN. So if finally they're at least thinking, you know, about doing something, something, then I, then I support it. But you would think they could find somebody interesting to host these shows. Now I'll tell you, about, you can look up uh, Harry Enton did a spot with Anderson Cooper the other day where Harry Enton was like talking about football with Anderson Cooper and it was fantastic. And I was thinking, boy, Harry would be great if he co-hosted some kind of thing with Anderson Cooper, because at least it was entertaining and it was Harry super smart and it was funny. This shouldn't be that hard. I mean, I he's also a friend. No, no, it, it was really good. It, it, I'm not, I'm not affected by that. As a matter of fact, I think I might be have more trouble thinking it was good because it's a. Friend. I think you, you would be a great host, Noam. I always say that. But I'm just shocked. Like, does it, you can't expect Wolf Blitzer to turn it around, can you? Like, <clears throat> what, what, what are they doing? Like literally, what are they doing on that network? Give me that network. I'll, I'll just. I believe. And this is not because I think I'm anything. I believe I can do a more interesting show and get better ratings than anybody on CNN right now. Yeah. Well, the 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 bar is low now, eight hundred and four dollars. So you can. Uh, <laughs> I, but, I know what I would do to fix CNN. I, I watch CNN once a year when they're drunk on New Year's Eve, and it's awesome. awesome. And I have no desire to watch them when they're sober. Have them drunk three hundred and sixty-four days a year, and I'll watch them. And then on New Year's idea. Eve, have them sober up. And, uh, and you got you got to say somebody you guys say Fox. But everything about Fox is politics. Fox has excellent performers on. Tucker yeah. Carlson may be a madman, but his show moves. It it crackles, you know. And and Gutfeld and, and Megyn Kelly. They they had O'Reilly. They've always had good good people on Fox. And, and it is it root. Go sorry. Go it ahead. is it root entertainment too. By the way, I, I I used to work on Fox Business, and and I'm at a position now having worked there. If you want to have 
um, deep, thinky stuff, important things, big issues, which I do for a living now. I host a, a podcast called The Political Orphanage. That should be in podcasts and in print media. Television is entertainment. Television works well for entertainment. Television doesn't do well for communicating any level of nuance. Um, uh, when I when I worked at Fox Business, and, and the show I was on was a good show. We wanted to bring on people that we disagreed with. We wanted the smartest version of them. We had conversations about how to uh, how to not have straw men. Like it was it was the ideal of of what you were going to have. We were still constricted to where any segment we were going to do was going to be a maximum of eight minutes due to commercial breaks. We had four people on set doing the math here. That means if we're talking about like Israel-Palestine relations, you get two minutes to talk about that. So what happens? You end up doing bumper stickers. You're 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 also you're 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 doing a medium that is primarily a emotionally evocative medium, which means that conflict is going to do really well and nuance isn't going to do well. It, it would not be interesting if Jason and I came on to discuss, I don't know, tariffs. And we kept saying like, you know, Jason makes some good points, but on balance, I think that that, that doesn't play well. What, what makes it is us trying to murder each other. That's more fun. And then you, you take the final thing, which is this, when you've got a mass medium like television, you got to cater to fuckwits. And you know how fuckwits think? In binary. They always think in terms of good, bad, black, white, red, blue. They don't think in terms of nuance, which means that television always winds up being reductive. This is all to say CNN should absolutely do comedy shows. Fox should do comedy shows. And the, the really thinky stuff, if they're really good, move them over to podcasts or move them over to print media. But that means that the news channels are not news anymore. It's all about entertainment. When the so fuck it's not were about... they news? When, when were they? They've always been newsertainment. Um, the Gulf War, that's when CNN was like the best, you know, um, maybe I, I, I'd commend everybody to read a book called amusing ourselves to death by Neil Postman. It came out in the eighties and it, it came out as kind of the first push against television back when people were like, does TV make us stupid? And Neil Postman had this fascinating hypothesis where he went, television doesn't make you stupid. People understand that sitcoms aren't real. They understand that they're fictitious and there's nothing wrong with them. But he, he went, what would be, what would be difficult is if we get to the point in our society where we combine entertainment with important things like politics or religion, at that point, we would train the entire American populace to think things aren't important unless they're entertaining. And then you would see some kind of horrible media landscape where everything was basically a P.T. Barnum show and the presidential debates would be tightly constricted kabuki theater. And it all came to happen. And uh, and and that that newsertainment has been in it, you know, since the 80s, I think, for the most part, if not going back further. And and so I, I would say lean into the entertainment and just divest yourself of claiming it's actually smart stuff that you're going to get something out of. Go to podcast, go to print media for that. Otherwise, let's just have the daily show of whatever political opinion you are and have that be doing it. You know, Denzel Washington once said, and I think it's very it's, the news is not about being correct anymore. It's about being first, you know. Uh, so, but Andrew, you do something that's pretty good. I'm going to start doing this. You start a comment, you start, a, you know, an answer by saying, I recommend reading this book and you make up a book. I'm not saying you make up a book, but that's what I'm <laughs> no, going to up. It's not real. <laughs> and then you say something and it sounds smart because it's backed up by a book. So I'm going to be like, Thanks. I recommend everybody eat this book from the fifties and it's called uh, this and this. And that. So Noam, do you think the news should be entertaining? CNN? Everything should be entertaining. I don't, I don't know what you mean by entertaining. Entertaining, entertaining. meaning that you're not looking for expert facts, all that. Why Why is that not entertaining? Because the people that have the facts and are not entertaining. That's not true. A lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of geniuses are entertaining. entertaining what are you talking about? When I want to go to sleep, I play Netanyahu's speech. 
you entertaining. Could, you could watch like a, like a <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson. If you listen to his, you know, his stuff, he is, especially his podcasts uh, are just fantastic. Uh, entertaining guy covering really, really heavy, uh, heavy stuff, astrophysics stuff. And it, I, I heard him last week. He was on, uh, uh, he was on, I think, I was it Joe Rogan? I can't remember exactly where I heard him, but he made the point that, you know, it's his job to take it's exactly what you're talking about. No, it's his job to take that really serious, heavy, could be boring stuff and make it interesting to people and make people care about it. That's kind of his skill. That's his job. And I think that's kind of what CNN needs to think about doing if they want a differentiator uh, in their market. Because otherwise, right now, they're a circuit city. And they got Best Buy on one side and Amazon on the other, and they're just going to get crushed. And I just want to say, I don't want to brag, but I mean, this is what the podcast is all about. We talk about this important stuff, but we make it entertaining. Make it entertaining. Uh, I, I, I spoke like to there's uh, not a model for it. I, 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 some from time to time, uh, uh, talk to Tyler Cowen, you know, the, yeah, the great, the, you know, great, Tyler Cowen. Yeah, I know him. And I'm, uh, I'm he, very impressed. He comes to, he comes to the olive tree and, um, I mean, he's, he's you know, one of the great geniuses. Right. And he says, Oh no, I have, I'm, I consider myself an entertainer. Like he, when he does this podcast, he's very, very conscious that he has to be entertaining enigmatic whatever it is he's he's very aware of it you know it's it, it not i mean you have to be entertaining otherwise no one's interested not, you can't take your medicine it's got to be cherry flavored i still i still think you could do it norm you and me can do a cnn show you know what's funny uh, i saw a um an interview of you it can't, just came on my feet for some reason with this um it's about uh cancer culture comedy um what was it the guy that interviewed you from um newspaper live it was live this guy on on um on TikTok? That, no, that... no, it was in YouTube. Recently? Uh, I don't know if it was recent. It was about Louis C.K. So no, it's not recently. Oh, I don't remember. I did a bunch of them. Why? And um, was I not entertaining? No, so you were, but I noticed one thing <laughs> that you know it's 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 it was very interesting to me. Is like you make great points. And the people start clapping, and then you continue talking about another point. You don't give yourself a pause for people to clap, you know, when they make a good point. Like if for me, I'll be like, keep going, keep going, more, more. So that's the I, only I, I, I don't remember uh thing about um your stuff. All right, uh last one before, and then we're gonna take the last few minutes to talk about Jason's new book. The last one is the Biden, you know, uh classified documents. Uh so Trump now is very happy. He's like, he's, I'm not the only one. But they, they found more stuff um, today, actually. Today we tip this podcast on Sunday. So today they found more stuff. Uh, I think they found it yesterday, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know who, who found this stuff. Like whose job is to find this stuff? It's, I don't know. But um, yeah, so let's let's go with thoughts on and, and Biden. He said like he have no regrets. And, you know, and this was back in uh, his time when he was a VP with uh, Obama. So let's go with Jason, then Andrew, then we'll close the note. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's it would not surprise me if we went back and we just started searching every president or former VP's house. It would not surprise me in the least if we didn't search Obama's house and come up with a bunch of documents. We searched Bush's house, Quayle's house. You, you just you could go back to everyone who's who's alive. I bet they've got documents in their house. I can tell you, have corporate roles I've had that 
are there documents on my computer that someone could say, well, that's a classified document. I, I've seen some of what's classified as classified documents. You know, is it, it's not like, hey, the nuclear code is one, two, three, four, five, and here's where to push the button. It's not like that, you know. But also the media coverage of Biden versus Trump is kind of crazy. Well, it's, the problem is like, like we said earlier, you know, there are most of the people who are just not going to pay the kind of attention to this kind of nuance on, okay, well, what exact, what exact documents are they? What was the handling procedure kind of going all through that? All people are going to hear is, oh, you're doing it too. Biden did it. Trump did it. Must not be that big of a deal that Trump did it. Uh, I I kind of feel like Biden missed an opportunity to, you know, he, you know, Donald Trump is kind of off the hook on, you know, from a me- from a perception perspective on uh, on these documents they found at Mar-a-Lago. Those, they're going to find more documents in Biden's house and in his garage and under his Corvette or wherever they found them before. They'll find more because uh, you generate a lot of paperwork in a job like that. It's it, not surprising at all. Uh, is it bad if there is a nuclear code somewhere? That'd be bad. I doubt it's something like that. I just... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're can, usually can I ask you about, about that? If, if, what can you do with a nuclear code? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You just, uh, <laughs> you know, I presumably you need, you need the nuclear stuff. and you need access to the weapons. It's not like you you have the nuclear code and like, hey, it's three months. You got to change the nuclear code. Make sure you have your your nuclear code has to have letters and numbers, and it has to have a special character at the end. You know, pick a new one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I I, th- I think a new is there a, code. Is there a forgot password? Uh, forgot password. <laughs> click here to click here for the two-factor. Mom's birthday. Hold on, that's May fifth. Is it May fifth? That's what I think. I think nuclear codes or any code in general can tell something about you because it's like somebody else's nut name or or you know your your ex girlfriend or something like it's gonna get you in trouble. You know. So, uh, I was on. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of the uh, classified document thing? Yeah. Speaking as a, a citizen, a news consumer, I am documented out. Uh, I'm I'm tapped out. Uh, I, I am experiencing documentary documentary fatigue. Um, I, I went hard on Trump when he got raided by the FBI. Uh, and uh, now I, I have not paid as much attention to Biden, not because it was worse or better, but just because of the information there. I, I'll say, though, as a citizen, the, the two things that I'm concerned with are just I just want the law to be equally applied. Uh, that that's all. That's all I want. I just what, whatever the law is, and we can change the law. I just don't want it to be arbitrary. I'm not a Trump fan, but he should be kept kept to the same standard that Biden is, and vice versa. And I do see that to your point earlier, Hatem. I I think that in, in general, the media increasingly gets into a, a perspective of we're going to go hard on the people we don't like, but when our guy does it, well, his heart was in the right place, and I don't like that either. Uh, I I just want consistency, and I want universally applied systems. No. All right. Well, there's a lot. First of all, um, the first thing is I think it's it's pretty clear they made a mistake not indicting Hillary. Just not put her in jail. Nothing, nothing like that. Maybe five thousand dollars, <laughs> like, uh, at least as bad as as murder. But um, uh, you know, her story was was really something. Putting up a private server and telling everybody they're not allowed to ask about it, and taking a hammer to Blackberries and uh, you know, deleting emails after a subpoena. And, you know, this is the same woman who found legal records in the closet and made money in, in chicken futures. I mean, you know, meaning that there's no reason to think that these weird things uh, keep happening to the same person. So 
and and the law was pretty clear and i understand they didn't want to do something like that right at the time of an election but in retrospect if they had done that maybe these other people wouldn't have done that now that's hillary then trump you know trump is different after all because he didn't cooperate and um i think didn't even cooperate with a subpoena so maybe lied um so you maybe have other crimes there but i think what this all exposes if i had to guess is that everything is classified and the procedures are so lax and kind of like one of these situations where the law is so ridiculous and nobody respects it that the whole thing is just falling apart i mean you would think that if these documents are really serious that whoever hands them out would have some sort of a checklist and say okay let's make sure we get them all back it seems like they don't even have an inventory of to know that these classified documents are even missing well how important could these documents really be if there's not even a procedure to know when they're missing so i feel like this is just breeds disrespect and it, it sounds much more serious to us laymen than it actually is probably with trump too probably biden but you know it, a situation where a law is disrespected is dangerous. So either they have to change the law or they have to bring people in line with the law. I don't think anybody should go to jail here. I think they should probably all be indicted so that the law can be reestablished as something people need to respect. Once they need to respect it, that will put pressure on them to change the law. They say, well, you know, this is not going to work. If this is a law, we can obviously can't operate this way. So that's fine. So let that pressure go uphill and then let them revise the law so it's something that does protect the nation's secrets but makes it possible for these people to do their jobs and have a couple souvenirs afterwards. Huh. And the last thing you want to take home from work is work, right? So I don't know why would they do that. And I think I mean, it, 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 can I say one more thing? I think that even with Hillary, none of these people were up to no good and had nefarious aims, you know, unpatriotic, traitorous aims towards the United States of America. I don't believe any of that. Trump was not selling them to foreign actors, Hillary, it's all, I'm sure it's all looks much worse than it actually is. But now Biden, you know, Biden was an idiot for being so sanctimonious about it all. I'm sure he knew this stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to dislike Biden. I tried to give him such benefit of the doubt, but he's such a, such a dick. Anyway. He, he is. Yeah, I agree. And everything the president now Listen, has it classified? I want to see one of those classified documents to to actually say if it's classified or not. I want my opinion to matter. You know, show us that classified documents. We will tell you. And uh, no, if, if you go back, back, you watch the the vice presidential debate between then Vice President Biden and uh, Paul Ryan. He was a dick, and he seems like less of a dick now. So if you think about when he's 108, here <laughs> in three or four years, he'll probably be real sweet. He is going to be a nice guy. I actually, Paul Ryan had a um, a very nice interview, and I think it was in CNN or Fox. He attacked Trump and all that, but he he was specifically talking about the procedure of the um, um, classified documents and how is it one person's job to bring it from the safe downstairs to the safe upstairs, and he will never take it home. He have a very actually he, he's he's a very well speaking man. He's well, pa Paul Ryan's interface with classified documents as just being a member of Congress is going to be quite different than the president and the vice president and maybe even the secretary of state. Who no, but he was talking about a system, like kind of like you said, like somebody's job. You know, it's obviously no system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, back to CNN just quickly. I think they did one brilliant thing before was when they produced an air 
Colin Quinn's our friend, Red State, Blue State on CNN. I think I, 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 so, so, I, I literally think we have a better system of keeping track of Jack Daniels and the olive tree. <laughs> have, I swear to God. Like we, you know, we, we, we know if it's missing, they, they have classified <laughs> documents. They don't know whether they're missing. That's really the scandal here. Isn't it? The scandal yeah, but, but, is not the scandal is if, not that Joe Biden had documents. In his, the scandal is that they didn't know Joe Biden had documents in his thing that, that the, to the extent that these could be very serious documents and they don't know they're missing. That's the scandal. That's, that's the, that's the invitation for somebody who's not a patriot to steal them and to sell them because they know they'll never be missed. Sure, that's the scandal. But if you took if you took your own Jack Daniels, no one on the staff is gonna tell you. Oh, if you find a couple of Jack Daniels in your car, no, but they would know it was missing. Okay, so they didn't even know it was missing. No, then it's not really classified. You know, it's like where is them? Um, what, right, so, what if you uh, make classified documents out of like some kind of ink that degrades after a specific amount of time? That's what I'm saying. It's like, I want to see that classified document. Because you know how somebody tells you, like, hey, I want to tell you a secret. And they tell you a story. And he's like, this is not a fucking secret. Everybody yeah, knows you're gay. Or how about how about this? The, the Like like in Bond movies where uh, Mission Impossible, the suitcase explodes. So it's like, you can take it home. But just so you know, it's going to blow up in February. You either need to return it to us or your house is going to burn down. Oh, that would have don't, they don't they still have Kennedy stuff classified after all these years? I mean, yeah. these, these regimes don't even exist anymore. And it's, it's crazy. So they can't keep a secret. Um, all right. So last thing before we go, Jason, you have a new book coming up. I don't know if you want to give too much about it, but you can tell us a little bit about it before we go. And I oh, think I'd love to. Yeah, the, the new book comes out April 4th. It's called Booze, Babe, and the Little Black Dress. Uh, how Innovators of the 1920s uh, Created the Consumer Revolution. Uh this book came from kind of my last one. I wrote Marketer-in-Chief, and I wrote a little bit about every president uh, and how they sold the American idea. And I got to the 1920s. I didn't know a whole lot about the 1920s. Most people don't know a whole lot about the 1920s other than the architecture is really cool. And, uh, you know, uh, people started to wear better clothes. That's great. Uh, and that Brad Pitt was okay in that movie. I think that some of us saw made more than $800. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, but you know, I didn't know a whole lot about it. And as an advertising person, that was kind of a, that's, that was on me. That was the very first time we figured out that advertising should pay for radio, for instance, that, you know, that, you know, the, uh, that when you listen to radio, you can't have a tax on the radio, that profits get redistributed. You can't build the cost of programming radio into the cost of building a physical device, First time you had frozen food, first time you had affordable cars, first time you could get a home mortgage, uh, you know, you name it, just all of the first book of the month club, Time Magazine was founded in that era. All of these things like this kind of political commentary, the origin of what we're doing right here was, uh, you know, uh, Time Magazine back in 1926. It was the first time that this, there was just so much information out there. Someone needed to make sense of it all in long form, make it entertaining. That's the Time Magazine idea from that time. I had no idea. I had no idea any of those things existed. So the book is telling those stories. There are 26 of them. They're fun. They're short. They're entertaining. Uh, you can get it. You could go to Amazon right now and you can uh, do the pre-order right now. At least the ebook, print book, audio book will come out at that time as well. Uh, I can't wait. I think I've had just a blast writing it. And 
I I hope that comes through in the book. It's uh, I'm no comedian, but the the subject matter is hilarious uh, in a lot of cases. So uh, I hope that comes through. I well, looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll uh, you know we'll have you again. You know when the show when the book comes out. Um, but yeah, until then, anything classified in this book or? No, nothing, nothing classified. You know, the, the story I'll leave you with, though, is, uh, you know, how we figured out how to make advertising pay for a lot of this stuff, you know, and why a lot of the, you know, there are thousands of people being laid off right now in tech, and they sort of don't get why. It all comes back to a goat farmer in Kansas. Uh, the goat farmer in Kansas, Dr. John Romulus Brinkley. Some of you might know who he is. Uh, funny story. He was a mail order doctor. He kind of got his got his doctor doctor his MD through the mail uh, because he decided that he was going to serve the Viagra community decades before Viagra by taking goat gonad tissue and implanting it into uh, flaccid men of a certain age. And he had a thriving little practice in Milford, Kansas, where he was just, he was like, uh, but but Milford's only so big. There are only so many men there that you can implant uh, goat balls into. So he decided that he was going to build a radio station to help broadcast that and advertise his uh, treatment uh, on the radio. And after a while, he started figuring out how to put entertaining programming on there and have other advertisers came on to start advertising on his radio station. You gotta understand like today we're like, well, gosh, everyone just advertises on the radio. Is that a big deal? He was the first dude to figure out how to have product advertisers get on the radio and his business model caught on. Uh, all the other business models fell apart uh, by the end of the decade. And it was all advertising all the time on radio. And it took over newspaper advertising. If you look at the how many people subscribed to newspapers and their subscription revenue and their advertising revenue, uh, after that time, advertising revenue just went through the roof and newspapers made most of their money on classified ads. That's why they were so exposed when classified ads went away with Craigslist. It's why all the people who work for Google, who work for Microsoft, who work for Salesforce, that industry is so exposed to the advertising business model, they don't understand that it's uh, they owe their pink slip to goat nuts, and they should know that. I think they should know that. Uh, that's a that's a great story. Goat nuts. I like the name. Goat nuts. Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's fantastic. I felt like uh, Kate McKinnon on SNL trying to come up with different names for testicles. I mean, there are only so many, <laughs> uh, but it was it was good fun finding them. Well, excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to share information or people can find you, Andrew? Yeah, uh, I, I'm Andrew Heaton. You love me. I host the Political Orphanage, where I talk about things like this regularly from a anti-partisan perspective. Did you have Norm in your podcast hate... yet? Huh? Did you have Norm in your podcast yet? Yeah, yeah. I, Norm, Norm was great. I had Norm on uh, maybe... Uh, six months ago or so, it was a good a good interview about kind of the nature of cancel culture, and and Noam brought me over to the, his position. Uh, yeah. Like like I I kind of went in on uh, going like, well, in some instances we should be allowed to like, and like no, I I became a nomite, a dormanite. Oh wow! Uh, so I host the political. That's, that's what his and, people do, yeah. Uh, but uh, and I also host guess. a sci-fi podcast called Alienating the Audience. If anybody wants to get into that, we literally talked about the the things we were discussing earlier of, of political messaging and whatnot on alienating the audience. 
All right. Uh, I'm going to bring Hatem over on Israel soon. <laughs> I'm ready. Jason? <laughs> yeah, you can uh, You can find me. I, I'm Jason Boyvich. I don't think you really love me in the same way, but uh, you might. Uh, uh, you can go to jasontvoyevich.com. That has links to my books, uh, other uh, writing and, uh, you know, appearances and things like that, how to get in touch with me. So all of that is there. Uh, and yes, I, I don't expect you to be able to spell that properly. So look at it in the uh, in the show description. Uh, I'll have it in spelling. the link. Yes, as well. Yeah. Norm, anything? Comedy seller? Comedy seller, baby. Yeah. Vegas, any any good news you to share yet or not yet? Um, no, not yet. I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying soon. To be in Vegas soon. Is there there there's a comedy seller in Vegas? There's a comedy seller in Vegas. So just hit hit us up if you want some free tickets. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, I do. I'll hit you up on that. I'm gonna be in Vegas later this year. I'll absolutely go. Yeah, yeah, of course, anytime. And all honestly, in New York, if, you guys are always welcome. You never promote this, but if you want a really good time, Monday nights at the Alfre Music. Yeah. The best That's band true. in New York City, like the most talented musicians that just go there. There's no cover charge, nothing. They just play music. It's just so much fun. Uh, and it's a good time to uh, for Nom to ignore you, too, because I always go on. He never like him. But anyway, um, and the um, chicken um, shawarma is so good. So have chicken shawarma and listen to music. Thank you, guys. Have a good night, time. I'm, 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 I'm,